marriage. Marriage is like adopting an overgrown man-child, right? It's like, preach. Hey, that's just, you don't need to be married. That's just men. We're just overgrown men, man-children. My wife would say that at least, right? Sadly, I believe that me, myself, and I, we give validity to this statement. Here's why. Dirty clothes. You walk into the master bedroom, turn left, dirty clothes, basket right there. Every night, I take my nightshirt off or whatever nightshirt that I'm wearing, roll it up into a ball, and like all middle schoolers used to do, Kobe, rest in peace, but I would go Kobe, and the problem is I miss a lot of the shots that I take in the dirty clothes basket. My wife would tell you, no, that's not your bigger, the bigger problem is you just don't grab your own rebounds, and they just tend to gather around the dirty clothes basket. Or um, I forget. I'm a forgetful person, right? I forget my wallet, forget my keys. This morning I was in a panic looking for my keys. Couldn't find them. Guess what? They were in the pocket of a pair of shorts that were in the dirty clothes basket at the bottom from like two days ago because I haven't driven my truck in forever. And so found them. Or, for instance, I can spot a deer 1,000 yards away driving 70 miles an hour down the interstate, but I can't see the ketchup right in front of my face in the... uh, refrigerator or look for sunscreen in the cabinet whatever it might be that's just me right i it turns out my wife married an overgrown man teen so uh, serves me well because i work with teenagers but at our house the trash runs on tuesday mornings and every monday evening kayla says hey babe can you take the trash to the road my response sure babe but let me just do it in the morning on my way to work. can knock out two birds, one stone, right? Do you know how many times I actually follow through on that? Very rarely, right? And so um, not as much as I should. I tend to forget. Now, here's the truth. I know this is a recycling bin for those of you who live in Columbus or Bartholomew County, right? Or maybe it's just Columbus. I don't know, right? This is a recycling bin, right? But the trash bins are black. Just thank me later because our trash bin stinks to the high heavens. And yeah, it's full of trash that I haven't taken out in like two weeks. So anyway, but like I said, I tend to forget, right? One particular season, Kayla and I were actually having a lot of conversation about me hearing what she's saying, but not only that, but actually following through with those things, right? Well, one Tuesday morning, I walked out the door during the season. Life was good. The birds were chirping. The sun was out. I was got worship music playing. I was on my way to work, thinking about everything else other than the trash. I get in my truck, shut the door, and you know the violent sound that our trash trucks make when they like shake the trash into the truck? I heard that. So I look two houses down, and I'm like, oh no, right? The trash guy had went two houses ahead and our trash bin still sat quietly in its resting place and not out to the road. So I immediately go into panic mode. I'm like, okay, creative teenage, how do I get out of trouble mode? What do I do? So I thought, maybe I can just throw the trash in the back of the truck, take it to the church dumpsters. Uh, Can't do that because I've got meetings downtown all morning and nobody wants to smell trash in downtown Columbus, especially as you're getting into the lunch hours because it gets crazy down there. The second option was I can chase the trash truck down, try to get it in the claw arms, and I was like, oh, that's too far away, I'm way out of shape, I'll die, right? And then the third option was, I kid you not, y'all, I looked at the neighbor's trash can, and it was empty. <laughs> and I said, I could switch the full trash can for the empty trash can, nobody would ever know 
That husband might get a chew out tonight, but I'm going to be off the hook, right? I didn't do that. The Holy Spirit was like, dude, don't do that. No, not a good idea. Tell the truth. I was like, yes, Jesus, all right? So I contemplated that for far too long. I ended up just texting Kayla and apologizing. I owned up to it, kind of, right? I said, there's no excuse. I just forgot. And I forgot because of my lack of commitment to move. And in my head, I was like, I sat on my wife's words for far too long. And you see, temptation, our temptation, or my temptation at least, is to come up with some kind of excuse to justify my lack of follow-through, right? My typical response during that season was, babe, I heard you, but I just forgot. Like, I heard you, it went into my brain, and then it went out the other, went out my other ear, and I just forgot, right? But the truth is, is the reality is I didn't hear you because I forgot, right? I just forgot. I tend to say I forgot, I heard just to lighten the load a little bit, but I just forgot. And I forgot because of my lack of commitment to move, which meant just hearing my wife on Monday meant missing an opportunity to show her love on Tuesday. And if we're honest, we all forget information today that's meant to move us forward tomorrow. And is it fair to say that I believe that all of us are inconsistent listeners, but we're even weaker doers? And I think it's fair to say that's all of us in the room. And here's what I mean. When I forget information, my, my wife will say, oh, I feel like you don't listen to me, right? And in my head, I'll be like, I heard you, but, right? But if I sit and think on it long enough, I could reframe that, that statement to challenge myself. And my wife could easily say, I feel like you're not making me a priority. It's no longer just about listening, right? That doesn't do anything. If I don't do anything, listening doesn't matter. But I feel like you're not making me a priority. Why? Because the truth is priorities create movement. And we will move for something or someone in our lives that we see as a priority. And the way that we live our lives will eventually reveal the priorities that we pursue in our lives. It'll eventually come out. And this isn't just true in our relationships here on earth, but this is true in our relationship with our eternal Father, our eternal Creator, God. So this summer we're asking the question, how do we know if our relationship with Jesus is legit? And we are answering this question by walking through the book of James. So here's a little bit of background. James was Jesus' half-brother, as Adam had mentioned last week. And at the time of writing, James is leading the very first Christian community, the very first Christian church, following the resurrection of Jesus. So he's kind of stepped up in Peter's sandals, if you will. And now he's leading the church. And when he took over and started leading the church, he's leading the church through some really difficult times. He's leading them through famine. He's leading them through poverty. He's leading them through persecution. And so in this very short but powerful letter, James is using wisdom from the book of Proverbs and references Jesus' Sermon on the Mount constantly throughout the book of James. And this is what he's doing to lead the church through these difficult times. And so James is writing to all believers in Jesus. And what is his goal? If you read his book, you'll notice he's a get all up in your business, make you uncomfortable, and challenge you, is Jesus really a priority in your life? That's James's goal. He's challenging the church, and I believe that he would challenge us in the same way today. And so today we find ourselves in the beginning of James's letter. 
And in the verses of 12 through 18, uh, before the verses where we're camping out today, James is talking about this generous God who's given Jesus as our Savior for new life. Right? And so now we're in verses 19 through 27 where we're camping out today. And James's question is, I've, t- I've told you about this new life. So the question now is, how do we experience this new life? And this is the question that James will answer and we will dive into and discuss through today. So let's dive right into verse 19. And James says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And I believe we could hear this over and over again, right? I need to hear this over and over again. Because if James was telling me this one-on-one, he would grab my shoulders and he would shake me to every syllable of every word. You've got to get this through your head, right? Because it doesn't take long to look around and see a bunch of people who just respond out of anger. Facebook, for example, right? Perfect example of people who just bicker, 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 and then it gets nowhere, right? And most of the time, we're being quick. We are not being quick to listen, and we're being quick to speak and quick to get angry. And we are definitely not producing the righteousness that God desires. And when James says, be quick to listen, what he's saying is be quick to listen to the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God and think through how you're going to respond. Don't just respond to things just because they ruffle your feathers. Just because they get into your emotions and they offend or whatever. He's saying, no, be quick to listen. Meditate on the Word of God. And then think through how you're going to respond. This is what a righteous and honorable person does for Jesus. Because we restrain from the word of self, which usually is fueled by anger and self-righteousness. And James is giving a stern warning to the people at the time, because this was a very big issue in the church then, as much as it is an issue in our country and in our world and in our church today. So I believe that has a lot to say. So next week, Adam's dad is going to be, on Father's Day, is going to be delivering a message on what it looks like for us to tame our tongue. What it looks like for us to honor God, honor each other, honor ourselves, with our tongue. So let's move on to the next verse. James goes on to say in verse 21, I've told you about all this, so here's what you need to do. You need to get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. And James is saying once and for all, take off your dirty garments because it's prevalent, right? You stink of self. You stink of self-righteousness. You stink of filth. There's, evil is not appealing. It stinks, right? Your life reflects wrongdoings, and it seems like whatever that may be, unrighteous behavior. And you see where we get at when James is somebody who gets up all up in your business and challenges you to live as if Jesus is a priority. And he's saying, take off the filthy garments and put on garments that are soaked in the Word of God. Put on garments that are clean and are full of the Word of truth. And this is the first time that we see James use the word. And we're going to see that pretty consistently as we move forward today of what the word is. The word, when James says the word, what he's doing is he's referencing to Jesus's uh, understand or references the word multiple times. He's referring to Jesus's summary 
of the Old Testament perfect law, which we'll see later on in these verses. And when James says the word, it's safe to assume that he is saying, love God, love people. That's what the word was. That was the definition. The Old Testament law, love God, love people. And that's what Jesus ultimately came to teach. Ultimately, I'm challenging you, James would say, but I'm challenging you to love God, love people, love your neighbor. It's time to walk forward in new life. And he's reminding them of that message in verses 12 through 18. And it's amazing to see this connection as well in Old Testament prophecy. If you look at Jeremiah 31, 33, it says, I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. And those instructions being love God, love people, right? And in Jeremiah, in that prophecy, it's, it's just the truth that's just interwoven through all of Scripture. But anyway, James continues with his focus on the Word, and he says in verse 22, uh, he says, but don't just listen to God's Word. This is like his thesis statement. He says, don't listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. If you hear it, but you don't listen to it, eventually you're just going to justify your actions by saying, well, I listened, and then you'll stop there. And you only fool yourselves by thinking you're doing something right. There's enough just to get by. But James is saying, no, you're not doing anything right at all. Right? You have to hear the word and do what it says. And now Jesus isn't asking for perfection. James is just saying, Jesus is demanding perfection. It's not all about works. But somebody who knows Jesus, their life will reflect his heart and what he's done for you as well. And so he said, just don't listen Otherwise, you're fooling yourselves. Love God, love your neighbor. Check out in verses 23 through 24. He goes on to say, he gives this illustration, and he says, For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. And I got, I got to say, I'm pretty enamored with myself this morning. What? This beard. I'm pretty proud of my beard, right? But it doesn't go above Jesus. I just I like to think Jesus had a beard, so I like my beard. So anyway, get enamored. We can get enamored with ourselves, right? We look at ourselves in the mirror, maybe not first thing in the morning, but you get product, Duke Cannon product in your beard and in your hair, and you're like, man, I look like a man today. This looks good. Get enamored with yourself. And James is saying, if you hear the word and you don't do anything about it, it's like glancing, getting enamored with it. Like, that sounds great. You look great. Then you take the mirror away and you walk away. And you're like, what did I look like? I've totally forgotten. Right? We tend to forget. Or this. Hey babe, will you take out the trash tomorrow? Sure thing, babe. And the trash can, I walk right by it. I hear, but I don't do anything about it. Do you see the power of how this still sits in its resting place? And nothing was done about it. It means nothing. Maybe will you take out the trash? I heard you, but I forget. And here's the truth. This isn't just a trash can. And I know it's a recycling bin, just for the sake of conversation. I know, that, but the truth is, this isn't just a trash can anymore. Right? This is an opportunity to take the information that have gone into my ears and show the one that I love that she is a priority. Why? Priorities create movement. And to move this trash can confirms to Kayla that she just isn't written and implanted in my mind, but she's written on my heart. That she is a priority to me. 
And I know in the grand scheme of things, it's something as tiny as taking the trash out to the road. I get, right? But this is an opportunity. This isn't just a trash can. And the same is true with our Savior. The same is true with Jesus. Check out in verse 25. He says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law, love God, love people. That sets you free. And if you do what it says, and you don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Hey son, will you love God, love people? You got it, Jesus. And I walk right by the opportunity to move. It means nothing. right? It's like sitting in this room today, and we hear the Word of God each and every Sunday, but if we leave and we don't do what it says, are we living in the righteousness that God desires? Because this just isn't a suggested law, perfect law to love God, love people. This is an opportunity to take information that we have heard today and show the one that we love that he is a priority. Because priorities create movement. To move in alignment with God's commands confirms that God isn't just in our minds, but he's written on our hearts We will move for something or someone who is a priority in our lives. And the way we live our lives will eventually reveal the priorities we pursue in our lives. And God's perfect law to love God, love people is a reflection of that. So the information we hear today, it's not just enough to hear. Because if we just hear and we don't do, we're missing out on an opportunity to show love on Sunday or on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Check out, moving forward in verses 26 through 27. James goes on, he says, If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, and refusing to let the word corrupt you, or let the world corrupt you. Right? Pure and genuine in the sight of God means caring for, for people in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So James is kind of giving these stern warnings, right? He's challenging them. Now he's kind of getting into the application of it all. So here's what you can do if you want your life to show that Jesus is a priority. So that's what we're going to do right now. And so truth number one is this. What we can do is we lead these seats today. Run from the pollution of the world. Right? I'm not just talking about the pollution in the environment from emissions and whatever else, right? Trash, though that is important. But check out this quote from uh, Buckminster Fuller. He says, pollution is nothing but the resources we are not harvesting. And in our faith, pollution is sin, is nothing but the resources in our lives that we aren't harvesting. God has given each and every single one of us a gift, a purpose, talents, and ultimately the grace and mercy of salvation. And if we don't harvest those resources, what we end up doing is setting up a breeding ground for sin and evil to permeate every area of our lives. And so in the same way, run from the pollution of the world. As James has said, we have two options. To be polluted by the world or to serve people. 
And in order for us to serve people well, we have to run away from sin. We have to run away from pollution or things that take us further and further away from God's heart. If we are separated from the love of God, then we love on our own power and our own accord. And it doesn't take long to look around and see people who act on their own power and own accord and see how much chaos that life can be, especially in the political realm and leaning on own power, own accord. It doesn't take long to see we have issues in our country that we're passionate about that is a sin problem, right? What pollution could be clouding your view of God's love? Are you loving success over sacrificial love? Are you pursuing your career more than you're pursuing your family? Are you chasing money over people? Are you tearing people down on social media? And yes, this includes political leaders. Are you using your tongue to spread slander and gossip? Are you ignoring the needy for your wants? Are you pursuing your hobby, your hobbies over the health of your soul? Let me make a clarification. Hobbies are important. I love to camp. I love to... I'm recently getting into running, kind of. Now I can chase down a trash truck if I ever need to, right? But hobbies are good. They feed your soul. Don't make them the priority over the health of your soul. Do we lie about each other to make ourselves feel better? Pride over humility. Unfaithfulness to your spouse. Believing the lies from the enemy. This this is exactly why we need a Savior. And this is exactly why in verses 12-18, through James was so important to say, God is so gracious to give us a Savior, and this is how we can have new life. This is how you pursue new life, through Jesus. In a relationship with Jesus, there's nothing else. And so God, in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our pollution, has given us a Savior. And the same Access to the Savior that, these, that this audience had then is the same access to the Savior that you and I have today. And so we have access to let Jesus be our best friend and Lord of our life. And it's, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't have it all together. And dear friend, you don't have to have it all together this morning to follow Jesus. That's a lie from the enemy straight up, right? The beautiful thing about Jesus is we can follow him and figure him out along the way. He's not asking you. He doesn't live by worldly standards and you've got to have it figured out before I like you or you become my best friend. No, he's saying, yeah, you've, you've done a lot of wrong, but I'm here and I'm here to pick you up and I'm here to love you all the way through it. Walking for Jesus isn't always a cakewalk and it doesn't mean we will never sin again. But it does mean that we are confirmed in the family of Jesus. Like we have a hope to live with Jesus in eternity. But eternity doesn't just start when we die. Eternity starts today, right? And so we want to live out eternity and share the love of Jesus with everybody that we come in contact with. Which leads us into truth number two. Is this, use your hands and feet to serve people. We are the church and people need people. We have no time to put off loving people in the name of Jesus. We are living in a broken hurting world and it seems to be shattered more and more and more and more and people whether they realize it or not are hungry for hope hungry for hope and as believers james would say you're the hope giver so why aren't you here that but why aren't you doing anything about it right it's not just up to church leaders it's not just up to our parents to teach the gospel We are all called to preach the gospel. And so what is it that God is leading you to do as you leave these seats today? Is he leading you to extend forgiveness 
to somebody who has hurt you and you are called to serve them in some way? Is he leading you to do more than drive by a struggling man or woman? This is for me. Rather than just assume their, their intentions, maybe our heart needs to show love. Is he leading you to stand up for the vulnerable? Just don't be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. Serve the homeless. Spare extra change. Encourage the bullied. Listen to the broken. Hug the hurting. Smile for the frowning. Inspire the wanderer. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Bring freedom to the oppressed. Share the love of Jesus with those who are lost. Spread the hope of Jesus because you are the hope giver. What is it that God is calling you to do today? Because priorities create movement. And loving God and loving people gives freedom. Not just to you, but for the one you love. This is why James challenges us to be doers. Not just hearers of the Word. And so who are you going to be this week? Are you going to be a spectator? Or are you going to be a doer? Don't sit on James's words for too long. Just like the illustration of me sitting on my wife's words for too long. Just hearing this word on Sunday means missing out on an opportunity to show love on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Information today is meant to move us forward tomorrow. There's a community out there who needs Jesus. And it's the commission that we have been given by the perfect lawgiver to love God and love people. Priorities, church, create movement.